Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. This is our final installment on um, stewardship, uh, which means next week we're going to be starting something new, and we are, and it's going to be very important. Next week we're going to be starting on the family. Uh, For years I've started uh, each year with messages on stewardship because it's so important, and on the family because it's so important. And preaching on the family is more important than ever. And And it's a shame that preaching on the family these days can be controversial used to be everybody knew what a family was. One man, one woman, and if God blesses, children. Amen? Sharon and I this morning, driving in, was listening to Al Mohler. He's uh, head of a Southern Baptist seminary, uh, quite the theologian, quite the intellectual. He does a daily podcast, and I was listening to it. We were listening to it coming in. You know what they're doing and going to be doing? It is possible now for you to have three parents, three biological parents, by combining DNA from two moms and then the father. It's getting crazy, folks. It's getting crazy. And this leads to nowhere good. There's one answer. There's one answer to get us on the right path, the reasonable path, the proper path, the path of blessings, and that's God's word. What does God's word say? And we're going to be looking at the family over the period of the next several weeks. But this morning, we're finishing up talking about God and money. Let me read you a portion of an article that I found on CNBC website. It says, a 2015 survey by the American Psychological Association found that money is the leading cause of stress among Americans. Money, the leading cause of stress among Americans, especially for parents, younger adults ages 18 to 49 years old, not surprisingly those living in lower income households. For the majority of Americans, 64%, the survey found money is somewhat or or a very significant source of stress. All the more reason that you should be eager to hear messages on money, which is what stewardship is about. This article goes on to say, anxiety of any shade can lead to unhealthy behaviors, such as checking one's online bank accounts compulsively or sleep deprivation, which in turn can cause headaches and high blood pressure. It can also create tension with loved ones, Almost a third of the adults who were surveyed reported that money was a major source of conflict in their relationship. Now, from the Bible, we can learn and we can apply financial principles that have proven, folks, to eliminate stress and anxiety caused by not knowing and applying those principles. So you are in the right place. Now let's review. We have taken all four of our messages, including today, from Luke chapter 16. I don't know that you've noticed that. 
but every one of the messages is from Luke chapter 16. Let's do a real quick review. Our first message was from Luke 16, verses 1 through 9. Remember, we looked at the shrewd steward, a man that learned that he was going to be fired, and he went to people and made deals with them. And the important verse in that passage was verse number 9 that says, And I say unto you, make to yourself friends of the mammon, money, mammon being another name for money, of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. And then what we learn from that is we need to live strategically for eternity. This includes our finances. When this man found out he was going to be fired, he started thinking strategically. And the lesson wasn't do as he does, but think as he thinks. We need to think strategically. And if you go back to that lesson, we learn that we need to use money wisely. We need to be generous with people. We need to use money as an attempt to um, establish a relationship with somebody for the sake of seeing them saved, hopefully, and then seeing them someday in heaven. That was the lesson from the, uh, the, the shrewd steward, because a lot of people just think of money as money. And the Lord is wanting to get our thinking to a different level, to a higher plane. No, think of it strategically. You, you can use it for the cause of Christ if you can be generous, because there, remember, there is a power in generosity. Generosity has a power to it that allows you to connect with people and hopefully lead them to the Lord. In the second message, we were in verses 10 and 12 of Luke chapter 16. And it says, how you manage small things will determine whether or not you can manage big things. Remember verse number 11? This is God saying to us, If therefore ye have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, if ye therefore have not, I should say, been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And we learn there that mammon is a relatively little thing compared to life. But if you can't handle that, you will not be trusted with riches. That's important for you to go home understanding, folks. And you can disagree with that, or you can think that to be untrue, but that is going to be to your detriment and your increased anxiety over finances. And then in our third message, which came from verse number 13, we learned very simply that you cannot serve God and mammon. Verse number 13 says, no servant, that's us, can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And it very clearly says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now we learn from that. You cannot serve God and mammon because they are both jealous masters and have competing agendas. You may think you can, but you can't do it. You have to put God first. You have to put God number one. Now, today, as we continue on in our study through Luke chapter 16, we are going to come across a very important word, and it applies to money and how many people deal with money. And that word is covetous or covetousness. And we're going to see this morning how God and money are affected, uh, how God and money are affected by covetousness. Let's read the verses for this morning that we're going to look at and consider. Verse number 14, Jesus is continuing this talk on money, and it says, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided 
him. Now let that sink in. They heard Jesus. He was talking about money, the things that we just reviewed. That's what he was talking about. And how did they respond? They derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. That was a serious problem then. That's a serious problem today. We'll explain more in a second. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. If you came in here this morning not knowing these verses, boy, you need to, your ears need to perk up right now. This can change your life, folks. This could account for why there may be so much anxiety in your life and fretting over money and over finances. Covetousness is at the root cause of many of people's financial anxieties. Back before this, in Luke chapter 12, verse number 15, it says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. That's a profound truth right there that can change your life. If the light goes on this morning, your life can be changed. Because covetousness affects you negatively, both in your relationship with God and in your relationship with other people. It creates unnecessary anxiety. You know I like quotes. Let me share a couple quotes with you about covetousness. Covetousness, by a greediness of getting more, deprives itself of the true end of getting. It loses the enjoyment of what it has got. If you are covetous, always wanting more, you will never ever in this life appreciate what you have. You will never know contentment. And that would be a very sad way to live your entire life. And we live in a society where at every turn it is part of our culture for the influences upon you to tell you that you need more and that you want more. And why are they trying to influence you that way? Because the people that are advertising all this and all that, they want more and they think they need more. The second quote is, If money be not thy servant, it will be thy master. The covetous man cannot so properly be said to possess wealth as that it may be said to possess him. And that's a very sad thing. I mean, you either possess your wealth, you're you're in charge of it, you understand the Bible principles, you're living by those Bible principles, or you are just doing your own thing without fully realizing that that wealth is pulling you by the nose. It's calling the shots in your life. So, let's examine this passage this morning. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse number 14. And folks, this is kind of hard hitting, let me warn you. This is kind of hard hitting. Just like surgery can be painful, okay, but, it, but it's necessary. 
So bear with me. I have nothing but good intent for you this morning, okay? And by the way, ask yourself this question. You know, is he preaching the word? Is he explaining the passage? Am I coming to a better understanding of the passage and how it applies to me? So number one, covetous people, we learn from this passage, covetous people have a disdain for hearing biblical principles of stewardship preached. Probably preachers through the years have heard more criticism about preaching on money than any other subject. Those people are just like these Pharisees. Now, I realize, don't get me wrong, I realize there have been abusive pa- uh, pastors and ministers and, and, and men that have stood in pulpits that, that have been there for their own personal wealth and their own personal gain. That has happened, I'm sure that is happening, and, and will happen in the future, okay? But because there have been abuses, that doesn't justify you throwing the, the baby out with the wash, and throwing out God's word with those, those evil men or, or evil women even. Okay? So don't disregard God's word because some people have been abusive. There have been abusive parents. That doesn't mean all parents are abusive. There have been abusive pastors. That doesn't mean all pastors are abusive. The question to ask yourself is, is that man preaching the word of God? Yes, I am. Look at verse number 14. That's what I want to emphasize to you. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. Jesus was teaching money management principles to his disciples. That's who it says at the beginning of Luke chapter 16 he's talking to. But some of the Pharisees were obviously listening. And like many people today, didn't like what they heard, what he was preaching about money, or the fact that he was preaching at all about money. So they derided him. Now you need to understand who's doing this. This is the spiritual crowd, or so-called spiritual crowd. The Pharisees were the spiritual elite. The KJV dictionary describes the Pharisee, one of a sect among the Jews whose religion consisted in a strict observance of rites and ceremonies and of the traditions of the elders and whose pretended holiness led them to separate themselves as a sect, considering themselves as more righteous than other Jews. These are the ones, the religious crowd, they were the ones that were attacking Jesus. The Bible says they were covetous. Webster's Dictionary describes covet as excessive desire for riches or money. Eastern Bible Dictionary says covet, a strong desire after the possession of worldly things. Now before we're too critical of these Pharisees who God says was covetous, we need to examine our own hearts. Could we possibly be the same way, have an insatiable desire for more and bigger and better and fancier. Says the Pharisees derided him. Again, the dictionary describes deride as to laugh at in contempt, to turn to ridicule or make sport of, to mock, to treat with scorn by laughter. What were they deriding? What were they mocking? What were they laughing at? They were laughing at the teachings of Jesus. 
that was simply teaching you cannot serve God and mammon. They're laughing at him. you got to be kidding me. You know, who are you to teach us this kind of stuff? So let me ask you a question. Preachers have known for years that preaching on money, and I'm talking about preachers that have good intent, that love their people, not trying to fleece the flock or anything like that. They, they want their people to be blessed. They, they want their people to be right with God. They want them to be blessed. They want their church to be blessed. I'm talking about preachers with, 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 with good motives have had people say that's all they do. They just, they just, they just preach on money. They deride, just like the Pharisees. So let me ask you a question. How do you respond when you hear messages on stewardship, giving, tithing, or generosity? How do you respond? Have you been one sitting in the pew as I preach these messages thinking, I wish you'd get over this? Or he's just like all those other preachers, you know, it's all about money, that's all they talk about. You need to be careful. You need to be very careful. If you're irritated, if you complain, there is a very good possibility that like the Pharisees, you could be suffering from covetousness. Now, why might you be covetous? Why might you sitting here this morning have derided me or some other preacher, and you just come up, you know, your, your constant refrain is, well, that's all preachers. They just preach about money all the time. They just want your money. And some do. Again, I'm not, I'll give you that. You know, but again, don't throw the baby out with the wash. Why you may be covetous. Well, we learned that in this passage too. Number two, covetous people attempt to hide their sin from others so as to appear spiritual. They're covetous because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. They're covetous because they're wanting to put on an air. They want to impress people. Where does it say that? Verse number 15. And he said unto them, ye are they which justify yourselves before men. He said, you're covetous. And the point is, you're trying to justify yourselves before men. These Pharisees justified themselves to their friends, to their neighbors, to their acquaintances, to their co-workers. To justify yourself means to make yourself appear innocent or righteous in the eyes of others. It is about appearance. They're trying to justify themselves. The Bible says you justify your. You want people to think you are spiritual. You want people to be impressed by you. And it was of the utmost importance to the Pharisees that they look good to man rather than being good before God. What the Lord was telling them is, you're hypocrites. Yeah, you show up at church all the time, but when push comes to shove on a very measurable topic like stewardship, an objective topic like stewardship, they can sting you, then you deride Jesus strongly condemned their hypocrisy. Look with me, screen behind me, Matthew 23, verse number 25. He tells them in another book of the Bible, the same group, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. 
Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Verse 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres. That's a grave. You know, it's been painted white. Which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And that was very clearly revealed when Jesus dared preach on money and how you ought to handle it. Not that the Lord wants everybody to live in poverty. It's it's not about that. It's just a matter of recognizing that God knows best and you are going to be happiest when you are eager to know what God says about money and you cheerfully comply. Understand what they did in deriding. In deriding the teachings of Jesus, they were affirming their superficiality. We got enough of that in this country today. People being superficial. They were affirming that their spirituality was not genuine. It was not real. In deriding the teaching of Jesus on money, they were affirming their covetousness. And their image was far more important to them than their heart condition. They were way more concerned about the external and what people think of them than what God thought of their heart. Understand, Christians who are covetous of necessity, Christians who are covetous, okay? The juxtaposition there. I just love that word, juxtaposition. I try to use it every time I can. That impresses you, does it not? Well, it doesn't, Matt. He's mean, so. <laughs> Christians who are covetous of necessity must live a life of hypocrisy. And everything about hypocrisy promotes anxiety. To put on a front, you can never be at peace. You, and... and especially with God. So concerning this, there's a question. What's more important to you? What man thinks of you? Or what God thinks of you? If you're withholding from God to drive a nicer car or get your toys to impress other people, that's a problem. Our obsession with looking good to the world may motivate us to violating God and his word. So lastly, why you need to confess and repent of covetousness. If the Lord is convicting your heart right now, why is it so, so important for you to confess and repent? Number three, because covetousness is an abomination before God. You know, it's one thing to be on the bad side with your spouse. It's quite another thing to be on the bad side of God. Luke 16, verse number 15, we pick up. It says, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. That is so profound. We get so busy with our daily lives, sometimes we don't think about these deeper things. 
God knows your heart, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. That tells us something very important, folks, something that can change your life for the better. God does not judge us by our externals, the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, our community, our house. God and men judge differently. We need to understand that. Often God and men judge opposite of each other. We tend to size up people by their titles, their accomplishments, their personality, their car, their clothes, their house. God doesn't look at us the way we often look at others. God doesn't value what we value. God, as it says very clearly here, looks right past all the external stuff, could care less. God looks at our hearts. He says it very clearly. God sizes up people by their compassion, their integrity, their obedience, their generosity, their righteousness, their faith. Let me give you a perfect Bible example of what I'm talking about this morning. John the Baptist. There was nothing about John the Baptist on this earth when he lived here that would cause anybody to think highly of him. In fact, Matthew chapter 3, verse number 4, behind me. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair. He's not wearing purple uh, linens of the wealthy or silks of the wealthy. No, his raiment is camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was not the fineries of life. His meat was locusts and wild honey when he could find it. And anybody living like that, you just pass them by. Now, somebody in royal robes pulling up in a chariot, ooh, who, who is that? John passing by, we don't notice him, and we don't care, because he offers nothing to us. But Jesus couldn't praise John the Baptist Enough, because God was, Jesus was judging him by an entirely different standard, and we so need to learn that this morning. Matthew eleven eleven. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding that he is least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. There has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. We want to make sure we get this right, this area of stewardship. And we ask a question, is it possible that the life you're living now in the area of finances is an abomination to God? Finances will cause... Great anxiety when you violate the principles of God's word about stewardship. The key for us this morning is to learn Bible principles. Because ignorance is no excuse. And put them into practice. And then watch the anxiety and the stress go away. 1 Timothy 6.6 But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Verse 8, 
And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into the temptation and the snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse number 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We're not teaching that it's a sin to be blessed of God financially. And understand the word blessed of God. Our responsibility is to know God's principles about stewardship, to appreciate messages on stewardship, and to live them and let God bless as he may. And he may choose to bless some with more and some with less, but if you are content, it don't matter. Ain't nothing wrong with a fried bologna sandwich. Don't we all know and hurt? Well, we may not know. We don't know them personally, but haven't we all heard of wealthy people committing suicide? Got all the toys in the world. Apparently, you know, we should learn a lesson there. That's not it. Now, again, God may bless you financially. Amen. But it's because you have obeyed the principles and he chooses to do that. And you, some of us may uh, practice the principles and not be blessed as much, but we just trust the Lord. I mean, some of us can sing better than others. You know, some of us have artistic abilities that others don't have. Some have speaking abilities that others don't have. You know, and so it's true in finances. But, but what we can all have is contentment and peace. And that comes from understanding these principles. Some questions. Do you complain or get uneasy when a biblical message on money is preached? Are you violating God's principles of stewardship because of covetousness, being more concerned about what others will think of you? Will you consider the fact that God views covetousness as an abomination? Let's end this brief series on stewardship with what I consider to be good news this morning. We're going to end on a positive note. First, you are blessed to hear the word of God preached on the all-important topic of money. That is a blessing. When a preacher has the right motive and he's true to God's word and he's preaching it from the pulpit, that's a good day for you. That's a very good day for you. Yes, there are abuses. Yes, there are excesses. And... You know, I'm not some TV preacher that you don't know. You know me. You know my lifestyle. You, you know what I do. And, and again, I think you can trust that my heart, you know, I love you folks. And I want to see you blessed. So understand, it's a blessing to hear messages on stewardship. Then, it's good news that the Holy Spirit convicts you that you've been wrong in your approach to money. That's not for me to judge you. I don't know your pocketbooks. I don't know your checkbook. I don't know your finances. But if the Holy Spirit is convicting you through any of these messages, that's a good thing. First of all, it's a good sign that you're saved. You know, the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. The Holy Spirit may be dealing with you in the fact that you aren't generous like you should be. Or that you don't tithe. Or making money sometimes takes precedence over serving God and faithfulness to his house. Understand the good news further. When you make the necessary changes to bring your finances into compliance with God's principles. And then you enjoy the blessings of peace and contentment 
that only comes from God. We're simply talking about learning God's principles about how we're supposed to handle our money, and there's lots of them, and realizing that we need to bring our life into compliance with that. And again, that doesn't mean you can't dream. It doesn't mean that you can't plan. It doesn't eliminate the desires to improve your house or improve the car and whatever. We're not, we're not talking about but we're talking about doing it in the context and according to God's word. Within the guidelines of God's word. Then you can proceed with peace in your heart, peace in your mind, peace in your soul. And if those blessings come, great. If they don't come, your faith helps you to understand and accept that. Luke 16, 14, and 15. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things. They didn't like hearing preaching on money either. And they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.